Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. This is Oilers Now. It's Truculent Thursday. In 27 seconds time, we're going to hook up with Louis DeBrus. But not before I tell you, Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. As we go to our Oilers Now headliner today for touchback safety, touchback remains open for training, taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and their clients. We welcome back to the show. We gave him three weeks off. He went up in a stand. He got a, some personal time away. His son got a contract extension uh, from NHL Hockey and Rogers. We welcome back Louis DeBrusque. Hey, Louis, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. Yeah, I think that was as social distance as you could be, sitting in a tree for eight hours a day sometimes out in the wilderness. It was uh, surreal, but it was great. Uh, put the grind in. But, yeah, back to normalcy now and uh, hopefully back to an NHL season. Uh, in the new year, we'll wait and see what those discussions, uh, the outcome of those discussions are here this week, and hopefully they'll be able to announce a date fairly soon. Just as an aside, do you ever get really bored, or do you have to be mentally sharp the entire time? How does it work? <laughs> oh, yeah, you get bored. You you, you get uh, a little slap happy in the stand at times. But, yes, it's you're trying your utmost to stay as sharp as you possibly can because the animals are – as sharp as they can be, and they'll dominate you every single time if you're not ready for them. But and even if you are ready for them, they dominate you most of the time anyway. Um, it's a humbling experience, it really is. I'll tell you what, they are they are alive and well in these environments for a reason. They know how to survive, they know how to live, and you're just uh, a bump in a tree in their world, and you know they dominate that world. So it's. You have to be able to uh, understand you're going to have a lot of hardships and failures, and, and hopefully you'll get lucky enough to to be able to capitalize on an opportunity. But, yeah, you get bored. Listen, I mean, it's one of those things where you're sitting there, you've got a lot of time, but I'll tell you, there's nothing like nature to kind of settle you down and make you really focus because it's just gorgeous out there. It really is. It's beautiful when you're out there 
Um, the sunsets, the sunrises, just the animals you see, the, the sounds you hear, sometimes the no sound. I mean, that quiet sometimes can be so peaceful. So I love it. I really do. It's a grind. It's hard. It's cold. Um, but uh, you know very well, Bob, with our conversations in the past, that it's something that I, uh, it's an obsession for me. And we should mention, it's bow hunting, right, that you do? Okay. I bow hunt in the boys' zone around Edmonton. Um, how, how for the majority far, of my hunting. How far? How far outside the city are you? Not that far. You'd be surprised. It's, well, it's, you know, it's uh, you know twenty minutes, thirty minutes. The bow really zone encompasses all around Edmonton, so you can go northeast, west, south. It doesn't matter any any direction you want to go. It's uh, it's the bow zone. Louis, we uh, we lived in Fulton. You know where Fultonvale is out in County of Strathcona. I lived. I uh, don't. Okay, it's probably I would say. Uh, well, you know where Highway 14 and Highway 21 intersect there toward, yeah. uh, towards Belvedere yeah. Golf Course. So, 100%. yeah, so Fultonvale would be kind of uh, southeast from there. So, I, I we had an acreage in Fultonvale, and uh, I will I will tell you, like we, I, I never saw any bears on our acreage, but I did see moose occasionally and a ton of deers. And you know when you're a when you're a kid that's eleven, twelve, or thirteen, uh, nature can uh, put you kind of in perspective. But I'll, I'll take it one step further, as you know. I, and unfortunately, the listeners are going to you know they've heard this before. But I worked in reforestation for a number of years, and I used to cringe watching the watching watching the kids come up from, and, and many of them were really smart. But they weren't very pragmatic when it came specifically to bears. So yeah. we would have we'd have these college educated people doing this job that they thought was really cool and they thought that you could just sit there and oh look at the black bear. and I'm like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, you need to understand that, that black bear that's two hundred and fifty to three hundred and twenty five pounds can or bigger. Or bigger, and and I mean, I I only saw. I think I told you the story. I only saw a couple oh. grizz, grizzlies on the block with us, uh, and one I I was like literally like Ronaldo Skeets <laughs> Nehemiah. Well, I was I'm, I was I'm I was, laughing to myself right now, thinking of you telling me the story of you running back to the truck. Flag, Not that it's funny. It's not. It's funny now. It wasn't yeah. funny at the time. I'm sure it was really scary, but I can just see you putting it into like high gear and just motoring back to the truck because that's what I would do, too. I'd get the heck out of there. Yeah, while flagging at uh, 7.45 at night in early June and looking up and about 30 to 50 yards ahead of me, I see a grizzly. I'm like, holy crap, that thing's got to be 700 pounds. <laughs> like, like, oh, for sure. Yeah, they're just... Uh... Yeah, I can tell you, Bob. That's one. Of, that's an animal I don't want to run into in the wild. That's for sure. Yeah, and it. And, but it does. It does, and it's. It's part of the beauty of, of living here, is that that does exist that close. Like I said, I mean, I grew up in Fultonville, yeah. and we had deer all the time on our acreage, and it was, you know, and I mean, coyotes. Come on, I mean, right, right, cougars. Like, Lots of cougars too. Lots of mountain lions around. There's way more than people realize. They're so seclusive, you don't even see them, but they, they see you. Yeah, yeah, and it and it just gives you to you know you develop a true appreciation for the power of nature as well. All right, let's get it on the rails and switch, flip the switch here to hockey. So, Louis, are we going to play? What do you think is going to happen? Good question. Um, I really don't know. I truly don't know, Bob. I wish I did know and I had an answer for that, but I don't. I think they're going to find a way to get it done. I know the discussions right now. 
Um, the temperament coming out of them seems to be a little more hostile or uh, conflicting a bit. Uh, there's some discussions that are going on, but I do believe in the end both sides will understand they're going to have to come to some point and some agreement that they can go back to work. Uh, because if that doesn't happen, there is a very real possibility the season will be canceled, in my opinion. I just think it will be. I just think logistically, when you look at it, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to be on the fence here. I know you said that before, and I'm yes. in the same situation. I have a kid that plays in the league. I want him to go back to work. I work in the league. I want to go back to work, as do you. Um, and the players and the owners want to go back to work right away. They would love to be able to go back and play games. But I think there's just so many moving parts to this. And the number one is this COVID-19 again. It's a second wave that is worse than the first wave. We're getting hit hard here in Alberta right now. Um, there's different places in North America that are getting hit very hard as well. They have to figure that out. They have to figure out how they're going to do this. How can they pull this off? I know that Gary Bettman talked about realignment, which I think is going to be an absolute must in order to pull this off for this season. I do agree with him, but I think by the, by the end of 2020 or the start of the 2021-2022 season, um, that things should be back to some semblance of normal, if not normal, by that time. And I'm really hoping that's going to happen. But for the 2020-21, which will be, as you mentioned, in 2021, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of where we were when we talked about this before they went into the bubble. I'm 50-50. I really am. I, I'm not as optimistic as you are. I look at this and I just think there's a lot of things that have to happen to make this work. And I hope that the percentages are higher in the favor of playing than what I'm thinking. But right now I'm back to that 50-50 again. Really? That's the way it's feeling. Yep, really? I am. Well, that's, that's, just, that's, just, that's, just, that's just my feeling on it. And only because we're having so many negative, um, just negative um, situations with the COVID-19. It just seems to really be taking over again the way it was back then. And we're in that situation where we've already had some changes in Alberta here. We've had some changes throughout Canada. I know that they're trying to lighten some things. I know they put back the quarantine days back to, I believe, seven days if you have, if you test yep. negative. And I'm not sure exactly the numbers. I know there's been some shuffling of that. But it has to get much, much better if we want to have any possibility of anybody being able to come into a building and watch a hockey game. And I just think it'll be really difficult for the teams to start without fans. I don't think they want to. Um, they may have to. And if they're willing to do that, even saying that, how do you pull it off? How do you pull it off? Where are they playing? How are the travel routes? How many games are you playing at a time? How much time are teams going to get to go home and have breaks? Because I can tell you one thing, they certainly don't want to be in a bubble like they were throughout right. the six weeks that they stayed in the bubble, the teams that won the Stanley Cup. I, I, I mean... I don't think that was uh, a great environment, and I, I don't think anybody really wants to do that again. Um, can they do it for a bit, though, is the question to get it started. And then as things open up, if things go positively with the COVID-19, then they can subtly start to make changes where eventually by the end of the year, maybe you're at full, full capacity. I really don't know that, but... Yeah, like I said, it's up in the air right now. The balls are up in the air, and I'm kind of I'm waiting to see where they land. And I'm I'm kind of thinking fifty-fifty. I mean, I'm not being optimistic. I'm not being negative. I'm just being real. I'm saying, you know what? I just I think there's a lot of things going on right now that, again, um, I'm taking a very conservative approach to this, saying it's going to have to go positively for this to happen. 
Well, many of the listeners right now to the show would text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, Louie, and they'd say your approach is pragmatic. Uh, I'll stick at like 75 to 80% chances is going to happen because I think Gary Bettman wants it to happen. And my experience watching Gary Bettman over the years is when he wants something to happen, it often comes to fruition. I will pass this along. I had an exchange last night, Louie. And somebody said to me, did you watch the economics in Major League Baseball last month and then today? 60 Major League players not tendered qualifying offers today, and those signing mostly signing one-year contracts at reduced salaries. The same thing is going to happen in the NHL. He said, I, I'm not sure if the, the players realize that each team is probably going to lose at least a minimum of $20 million if we do return to play. And there are going to be some teams that become true budget teams as a result. And it's and, and an illustration of this is the owner of the Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies, said they lost $150 bucks. And as a result, apparently they've got a really good catcher. I'm not in a baseball as much as I used to be, and they didn't resign this guy. So uh, we're yeah. going to see we're going to see a market correction as a result of all of this as well. It might actually help the Edmonton Oilers, believe it or not, because I think that there would be you know you, you got McDavid and Drysaddle. Uh, it could theoretically help Edmonton. Just because the price point price point would go down, but I mean we're talking. This is for beyond this year. Like Louis, we could have a flat cap for the next five or six years here at eighty-one million. It's already happening. Just look at what happened in the free agency at the NHL this year. There were some contracts you'll look at and go, wait a second. Uh, a lot of one one-year deals, qualifying offers. Um, it's already started to happen. It really has, and it has to happen. There's just no other way around it. Um, when the league's doing great, when it's successful and every, everything's um, on all cylinders, yeah, of course the cap's going to go up, the salaries are going to go up, everybody's going to be happy because the league is in a good position. But right now, there's just so many unanswered questions. I just don't realistically see how ownership uh, can, can sit here and say we're comfortable moving forward with these huge deals. It's just not going to happen as much anymore. They're going to have to be very, very sensitive to that approach. And as a result, you're going to see what you, what you just talked about in baseball. You're going to see lower contracts, shorter-term deals. They're just going to keep it in check and, and see where the landscape you know, pans out in the end here when things get back to normal and when the game starts to be played again where buildings are full. And I don't know how long that's going to take to get to that point, but they have no other approach. They have to take that approach. Uh, I would be doing the same thing if I owned a team. There's no question. That would be the way that I would be directing my general manager to do business is, listen, let's be really careful with the way we're proceeding forward here and make sure that we're keeping that um, as manageable as possible. Uh, because I just don't see it happening unless it's an elite, elite player that you're going to sign to a long, long-term deal. Um, it's going to be a lot of shorter-term deals, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We're joined by uh, NHL Hockey and Roger analyst Louis DeBrus, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. Hey, Louis, we don't often do this, but a text has come in from Northern Alberta Neckbone. That's the handle. And this individual is going uh, and asking, what's Louis' take on Evander Kane going up against Jake Paul? <laughs> how, how would Evander Kane do against well, Jake Paul? I actually, you know, I was... <laughs> Great question. I, I laugh because I, I looked at that this morning again, and uh, I kind of want to see it. 
to be honest. But I, I think well, Ivan is a very good fighter. Uh, he comes from a boxing background. There's no question he's schooled in the art of boxing. I will say this, though. Um, it, it's not Logan. What's the other brother's? That they fought. It's not Logan Paul. There's an, his younger brother was the one that fought, right? Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Thanks. I, I think that uh, I watched that fight. I actually watched him fight, and he uh, listen. He bulked up. He got stronger, and he does have some power behind his punches. There's no question about it. He can throw haymakers. But I think with the schooling and obviously with the fighting and experience that Evander Kane has, and being a professional athlete in amazing shape. Um, yeah, I'm taking Evander Kane in that fight. I think Evander Kane takes that fight easily. So Jake Paul is not your traditionally trained mixed martial art uh, MMA type guy, is that right? He's not traditionally no, trained? No, 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 not at all. No, he's not. I mean, I believe he's a YouTube sensation. I've seen, I know his brother Logan's done some crazy things and has had a couple fights too. I, he he kind of just took a fight. It's more of a celebrity showdown. He got himself in shape. He bulked up. and Okay. Yeah, listen, he was throwing some power punches. I got to give him credit for that. And listen, I'll never, ever, uh, anybody that's willing to step into that ring and fight. I, I've been in, I've been in hundreds of fights, Bob. Trust me. I, I know that when you decide to take that plunge and you're going to fight, um, it, listen, you have, it's a certain type of individual that does that on a regular basis and willingly goes into those those situations and fight. It's, a, it's just a different mentality. You have to bring yourself to a different place. And trust me, I understand that, and I respect anybody that's willing to do that because you have to commit. If you're not committed, you're going to get hurt. You're going to you're going to get knocked out. You're going to get hurt. You're. But um, I got to give him credit. He went in there and did exactly what he said he was going to do. That's Jake Paul. And but I do believe that Evander Kane, being as conditioned as he is, his father was in the body. I mean, listen, this guy's. He's a specimen. He, he would go in there, and I can tell you it would be a whole different animal than, than the guy that Jake Paul fought. I'm told that both the Pauls have been training uh, for boxing, apparently for years at least. Well, uh, so- I, from what I understand, they come from a wrestling background too, if I'm not mistaken. I think they have some wrestling in their background, which they're athletic. Listen, they're big guys, and they're athletic. That's why I'm saying they always stand a puncher's chance because yeah. – you know, if you get caught with the wrong shot, you're, you're going down. He has enough power to knock you out, as we very well saw, because that's exactly what he did. He knocked the guy out. But, um, yeah, I just think that a skill boxer, somebody that knows what they're doing a little bit more, knows how to protect, knows how to move. I've been in there with a lot lighter boxers in the ring. When I used to spar with Daryl Duke and train with Daryl Duke back in the day, I got in there with, like, a 185-pound boxer, and I was 225. I couldn't touch him. It was just an it was just an entirely different world being in that ring, moving, punching, ducking, weaving. This is what they train their whole life to do. When you get in there with a skilled boxer, and I do believe Evander Kane's a skilled boxer. I'm going to tell you right now. I think and I think for sure he has had training. He understands the game. Plus, he's been in a lot of fights in his life. Um, he uh, he would be a formidable opponent, and I would take him in the fight. There's no question. That's who I'm taking. Do you recall when Kane fought Alex Petrovich three times in the same game? Yes, I do. I also remember him knocking out um, Matt Cook. Cook. Yeah, yeah. Well, Matt, I mean, Matt, he... Cook, Matt Cook had it coming to him. <laughs> yeah, he might have had it coming to him a few times, no question about that. But, yeah, listen, I, like I said, I, that's just my opinion. I mean, I'm just telling you what I would do if I was going to be putting money on that fight. I'd be putting it on Evander Kane. That's just me. Yeah, well, uh, 
There we go. So Nate, the guy who fought Nate Robinson, this guy was a basketball player, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a lot smaller, though. That was the difference, too. And I think that was something that, that Kane alluded to was that it's a little different when you're fighting a guy that's not really experienced and smaller. And he was quite a bit smaller than Paul in that fight. Um, that was the thing I noticed right away at the, you know, the touch gloves at the start of the fight. I'm like, this guy's like massive compared to him. It's not even. And, and, and listen, a, a really, really skilled smaller boxer, and you put Manny Pacquiao in there, <laughs> the fight wouldn't have lasted 30 seconds. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's when you're dealing with a guy that's not that experienced and you're the bigger, stronger guy, he went in there aggressively, which is what I think he had to do to win that fight. And that's exactly what he did. But you get in there with a guy that knows how to stick and move, uh, duck and weave and get his combinations in, um, you can be in big trouble. And I found myself in that situation with a lot smaller guy, and it was uh, not comfortable. Louie, this text comes in uh, out of Edmonton. Uh, says, Louie, the Pauls are trained boxers. I dislike them greatly, but sorry, Evander Kane would uh, lose. And another text. Yeah, big. I disagree. Okay, and Big Rig Butcher has texted the show to Sandy Ashley Five Floors text line. I want hockey back as much as anybody, but bubble hockey just isn't the same. P.S. I'd love to see Kane get his butt kicked in a in that fight. So that's a big, big. <laughs> it might be a good one to have. Then it's like this is good. It's like I, I, I mean, listen. If he accepts the fight, I think it would draw some attention, no question. Certainly, a lot of attention from from Canada, from the the hockey. Um, um, people in Canada that know Evander Kane very well, and obviously in the United States too, I think it would be a good draw. And for the Pauls, they have a huge following um, globally. Huge, huge. YouTube. So I yes. mean, they're uh, you know, it would be it'd be an interesting because this would be this would be a different challenge. And if he accepts it, which I think he will, to be honest, I don't think he's going to back down. These guys aren't aren't afraid. I'm not saying that they're afraid or anything. They're they're <laughs> they're totally willing to get in there and rumble, but. Uh, I've seen Evander Kane fight a few times. I was impressed how he did against Ryan Reeves when he started yep. swinging in that fight. He was a lot smaller in that fight as far as weight. And he uh, you know, he can throw. He can throw punches. He knows his combinations. He's come from a boxing background. You learn that at an early age. It's like riding a bike. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Those types of skills that you learn at an early age, you carry them their whole life. And if the Pauls have that too, great. I just think you're dealing with a professional athlete here. You're dealing with a guy that all he's done his whole life is train. Um, this guy, three rounds will be nothing to him. Both of those guys were breathing pretty heavy in that fight. I don't think Evander Kane will be breathing heavy at all. Uh, so, in other words, uh, you're, you're telling your Jake, Jake DeBrus, not Jake Paul, to stay away from Evander. Like, don't... Yeah, that might not be a guy you want to drop the gloves with. Keep the, keep the stick in your hand, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never take a clean hit. All right, awesome stuff, Lou. Thanks for your time. All right, take care, Bob. You bet. Uh, it is 12.54 at Edmonton. We'll take a quick timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. All right, all right, all right. Peter from Wainwright has texted us to say, Bob, I would pay good money to see you and Louie have a boxing match, maybe for Santa's Anonymous or something. Unfortunately, uh, Peter, I'm currently too fat uh, to want to be stepping back in the gym. And uh, the likelihood is I'm going to probably remain that way as well. So I don't envision that that would happen. But thank you for your text. 
Apparently, I've uh, made somebody laugh in my household as well. Uh, Haji has texted the show to say, Bob, is there any insurance contract issues with Keen accepting a fight outside the hockey rink? Great point. And, jeez, uh, what was the... Oh, boy, I'm going to test the listeners right now. It's a hard one. There was a pitcher in the 1960s that broke his leg after a terrific year off-season off skiing. And that changed a lot of, of as to how those sort of arrangements worked with guys getting insured in the off-season and what guys could and could not do. As uh, we go to the Oilers Now Prospect Report, brought to you by James H. Brown, injury lawyers, Trent Brown. Uh, probably, I'd say, best uh, Golden Bears football player out of that program last 30 years. Jim Brown, former uh, involved a number of years with the Edmonton Oil Kings as well. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. And back in the 630 Studios, Brendan Escott. Thursdays are our 30,000-foot view of Oilers' properties over in Europe. So let's start uh, with Tyler Benson, who's been hot in the second Swiss league since recovering from COVID-19. It cost him about a month of action, uh, but he had eight points in five games uh, before sitting out in last night's 2-0 win. Ryan McLeod has been all off since the 14th as well in the top uh, Swiss league. That's where he's stuck at six points in 10 games. Gaetan Haas had a goal and two helpers in SC Burns last game, but that was back on November 17th. The Denver Pioneers finally started their season, so 2020 uh, fifth rounder Carter Savoy, he went pointless in his first uh, NCAA Division One action. Minnesota Duluth's Matt Cairns has an assist so far in two games, and I'm looking right now, Bob, at the Twitter feed, which says that Joe Kim Nygaard has scored a goal in the SHL as they're playing today. I thought they tweeted out that Savoy had scored yesterday. Maybe I, I, I'm going to, maybe I didn't see that, read that correctly. But uh, anyhow, I digress. Uh, there you have it. That is our Oilers now a prospect report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Twelve fifty-eight in Edmonton. Coming up, Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication, solar. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.